cuts it back. 40, 45, 50. He's off to the races. Down the left sideline. To the 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. Oh, what a play. This is the Quick Slants Podcast. Game on Wisconsin and the Quick Slants podcast are brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Welcome back, everybody, to the Quick Slants podcast at Game on Wisconsin. I am your host, Jason Perrone. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. The Packers head into Baltimore in a game that many thought that they should have won handily, and they survive the Baltimore Ravens on the road, 31-30 to after a failed two-point try at the end, and they are still atop the NFC North. I am joined on this Quick Slants podcast edition by Jacob Westendorf, who, after these big games, of course, has many things and many, many bits of knowledge to bestow upon everybody and it's always good to have you back on the show jake so let's talk about this well first of all did you get your heart meds <laughs> uh, i'm getting really good at inviting myself onto this show i know that too so so that's a positive for the future i did not need any heart meds it was as soon as they punted up 31 24 i was like okay this game's going to come down to does baltimore score and if they do do they go for two which they will and does green bay stop it which thankfully they did um you know, you guys have that have listened and followed me over the years, which you can do at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter. You guys know that I do not care about style points. I am a disciple of Al Davis. Just win, baby. So I don't care if it's by one or by 100. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't concerns for the future because there certainly are. But they won. And kudos to the Baltimore Ravens, honestly. That is a tough, physical, gritty football team playing with a, a mash unit. On offense and defense, Packer fans want to talk about how many injuries they have. Look at that Ravens team, decimated by injuries and playing with their backup quarterback today in Green Bay, survives and advances, which I can tell you if and when a playoff run comes around, if Green Bay wins a game just like this one, you're not going to care because they won, and that's that's all that matters. They don't take away wins for, for style points. There is not a committee that is going to be deciding who makes the playoffs. The Packers are in the playoffs by virtue of their third consecutive NFC North title and kudos to my daughter because since she has been born, she has never lived in a world where the Packers are not NFC North champions. And that trend continues. That is absolutely correct and fantastic. And the Packers had some, some good things to celebrate. And there was obviously some moments of despair in this, in this game. But I think Jake, the big story coming in was the Packers seem heavily favored. The Ravens just as decimated by injuries as the Packers green Bay without Kenny Clark, and that showed up big time. So we didn't know if Lamar Jackson was going to play in this game. All indications during the week seemed like he would not play, but the announcement was not made until Sunday. So Green Bay still had to prepare for either Jackson or Tyler Huntley. Well, Tyler Huntley went out and did the thing. They actually let him throw it 40 times. He ends up 28 for 40 for 215 yards, had two touchdown passes, only sacked one time, which is not surprising if you watch this game. They, they were not able to get to Huntley at all. And he also ran 13 times for 73 yards, two scores, and but the Ravens did not get a 100-yard rusher, so the Packers still not allowed a 100-yard rusher since, I guess, what, the Bears last season? 
right? Herbert? Yeah. Uh, well, so, Herbert, they didn't allow 100 yards to him either. They have yet to allow a 100-yard rusher, quarterback or running back. So that is still incredible to me. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take Excellent statistic. Yeah, great statistic. Although, I guess, you know, what we said, what I said before we started recording – Jake was, I'm not going to worry about the performance in this game because really just flush it. Honestly, it's an NFC AFC game. I'm not trying to make excuses for the Packers and say, you know what? doesn't matter, but your point is absolutely correct. There are no, no extra points for style and maybe in some weird scenario where points become a tiebreaker, but that's happened how many times in the history of the NFL. So just win the game. It doesn't really matter. The Packers did struggle though. And, and so you don't want to see it become a trend where this defense can't Contained somebody. The pass rush had had a hard time today. They really weren't able to get get to Huntley, like I said. Rashad Gary, Preston Smith were getting a push, but when you've got a mobile quarterback like Huntley, he was very well prepared. And listen, I think you're obviously very familiar with the the Harbaugh family. I mean, you obviously you know Jim Harbaugh, but the Ravens are a very well coached team, and the and the special teams we'll get to in a second here. We knew we we're going to be an issue, but they're at home. They do very well against the NFC. It's no surprise this thing came down to the wire. You mentioned the two point try. There was a lot of talk on social media, on Twitter, almost every everybody that I saw before the Ravens even got into the end zone said Harbaugh is absolutely going for two in this yep. spot. And they did that before, not just a couple of weeks ago. Didn't really work out for them then. Is that just a Harbaugh trade? It just seems like that's a consistent thing, and, and that's he believes in his team. It's been a John Harbaugh trade for sure, especially since Lamar Jackson. You know, they, they are the best team in the NFL at going for it on fourth down. And one of the big plays in this game was the Packers stopping a fourth down conversion. One of the few pressures they got on the day was Rashawn Gary racing around and forcing Tyler Huntley to throw the ball short of the sticks. It didn't even get to the running back. So with John Harbaugh, he's certainly that way. Jim's a little more conservative when it comes to some of that stuff. And Michigan hasn't been in a ton of those situations where it's like touchdown, tie the game. And it is a little different in college when the extra point is still on the one yard line, as opposed to in, in the NFL where it's a 33 yard field goal or whatever it is. But I knew they were going for two as soon as they got the ball. They did it just last week against Pittsburgh. They had the perfect play drawn up in that. It just didn't work out. T.J. Watt made things a little more difficult for Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews can't make a difficult catch. And the Steelers win a game against Baltimore that they probably shouldn't have, but they did. The only issue I have with with the Ravens going for two is the play that they called. And that is that as soon as they walked the line of scrimmage, I saw Andrews split out. I said they're going to try and box Andrews out on Eric Stokes and win the game that way. And they rolled, uh, I almost said Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley to his right, cut the field completely in half. He doesn't really have much room to run that way. And Darnell Savage, to his credit, maybe the worst player on the field today, but to his credit, sprinted over, got a fingertip on the ball. Maybe that affected it. Maybe it didn't, but the Packers knock it away. Thankfully are able to recover an onside kick, which certainly not a thing that is, (laughs) that is simple. A.J. Dillon covers up an onside kick, and Green Bay is able to win. So I wasn't surprised they went for two. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they panned to Harbaugh on the camera after they score the touchdown and say, like, you could see him basically mouthing, do you want to go for overtime? What do you want to do? You want to try and win it now? And with 42 seconds left, everybody's been bitching about the overtime rules since Thursday night. So they may get the ball. Rodgers and company walk down the field and score a touchdown, they never see the ball again. To me, it's the right decision because the Ravens are outgunned. So what you're going to try and do, I think the Ravens are in a better spot to be up 32-31 theoretically and trying to stop Rodgers from getting into field goal range with Mason and take my chances with Mason Crosby and, by extension, the Packers special teams unit to try and win the game with one timeout, which 
I'm sure you'll get into their timeout usage in the fourth quarter was they just punted two timeouts like they didn't even it was very weird it felt to me and I don't want to accuse the team of letting their foot off the gas but it kind of felt that way after they got up 30 you know 28 17 they're in the red zone they're kind of doing whatever they want on offense that last red zone series after they get the big completion to big dog almost felt like they're trying to choose who Rodgers is touchdown to break Favre's franchise record was going to. They clearly ran that play for Devontae Adams on second and second and goal. And then Rodgers misses Lazard. And then their defense right after that is playing prevent. And they just let him walk down the field. There was still like seven minutes left in the game when that happened. There was no reason to do that. It was really strange. I like the call from Harbaugh. I know people won't because they didn't get it, but I like the call. They just didn't execute. Yeah, and on that on that drive, the problem was I think the Packers are feeling themselves a little bit there, and Rodgers maybe gets a little too cute. They waste two timeouts and they don't get in the end zone, so they 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 lose two timeouts and they put four points. They take four points off the scoreboard by not getting into the end zone after getting all the way down there. And at that point, the offense had dominated. They were getting some of the time of possession back. They were moving the ball. I can understand being confident, but again, you're in a tough environment. You're on the road. I say these NFC AFC games are always very weird. They're always very strange. Look back to the Cincinnati game. Obviously, you know, Mason Crosby missing several field goals turned that into more than what it should have been. And we've got another one coming up on Christmas Day against the Browns at Lambeau Field, which hopefully the Packers, you know, should at least get some some more mojo back in being at home. But you mentioned, Jake, the special teams, and that's something where the Ravens obviously had to feel like they had an advantage. And right out of the gate, at right on cue, special teams rears their head. The Packers – start out on defense, they end up getting a stop, they force a punt, and Isaac Yadam with an interference penalty on the returner right out of the gate there, which gives Baltimore some more yards. I mean, it wasn't like all of a sudden they're on Green Bay's side of the field, but it's a culture. It's just a culture at this point. So at that point, as we've seen these things kind of showcase and we see this happen and it's sort of foretells what's going to happen on the day. What is your, for a team that is trying to avoid letting this be the thing that's going to ruin their season. And you see that right out of the gate. What are your first thoughts when Yadam gets that penalty, which was very, very idiotic. It's just a total lack of awareness. More like Isaac Nodum. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was here. Here we go again. Like, I mean, this team cannot execute the most basic things that a special teams unit can do. And today, again, if you pull out your bingo card, which we keep making jokes about, but it really isn't funny. They shank a punt. Bojo shanks a punt after a delay, a game penalty, which is inexcusable at that point in the game. They, there was a pooch kick that the Ravens tried to pull and Garvin overruns it. And Patrick Taylor looks like a nine-year-old trying to field his first ground ball at a local baseball diamond. They muffed that and they start at the 12 when they kicked the ball to like the 30. So that was bad. And then you add in a 15 yard penalty. I mean, I guess the best thing you could say about the special teams is there were bad plays, but it wasn't like last week where they gave up a a billion yard punt return and a kickoff return and, and all that stuff. It wasn't a complete disaster, but it's horrible. And again, I, I say this, all you guys know me players play coaches coach, but at this point, how can you be worse by letting somebody other than Maurice Drayton try with this unit? And they talked about all hands on deck. They talked about playing starters. They changed the punt returner. Good for Chan and Sullivan. He, he fair caught 
the one time the Packers forced the Ravens to punt today. He fair caught that punt cleanly. I'm happy for that part. But this is a third of the game, and the Packers are just, no pun intended, punting on it. And they have for a decade. They haven't been good on special teams in a very long time. And you can see the difference. When you look at, I know before the Big Ten Championship game, Jim Harbaugh, John's brother, was talking about how he thinks the only team in the country that practices special teams more than them is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Maybe not so consequently, those are the top two special teams units in the entire country in college football. The Ravens, that's John's or Jim's brother, John, have the best special teams unit in the NFL. I assume they run things very similarly to the way that John Harbaugh and company or Jim Harbaugh and company do. So I don't understand why the Packers, they aren't emphasizing if their coaching is poor. It was one of those things that when they promoted Sean Menenga's assistant of a bad unit last year, this almost felt inevitable. It would be the equivalent of if the Packers had fired Mike Patton and then hired with all due respect to him, because I think he's a hell of a position coach, Mike Smith or someone on that. Like you're not, you're not seeking better. You're just getting the status quo. And in this case, oddly enough, the Packers are worse. They're worse at special teams this year. That felt impossible, but they are. Last week was rock bottom, and today was like just a sliver above that. The snaps to Bajorquez in the end zone were low. I'm not going to make a ton of excuses there, but he's facing pressure. He's backed up in his own end zone. He shanks the punt. I He's a good punter. I'm going to assume that the, the snap may have had something to do with it there, but that's all still part of the execution. A couple things we did see, Jay. Quick thoughts before we move on from special teams because the Packers ended up winning this game, and we don't really need to dwell on it too much more. But if you want to talk about some answers and things the Packers are at least trying, I saw Russell Douglas on special teams coverage units, which he was last week as well in that game. And I, Aaron Jones was returning a kick. He returned a kickoff, which – that's where we're at. We're at the point where we're having to put starters out there just to make sure the ball gets fielded cleanly. Thank God Jones took a knee and slid. I am absolutely terrified that the answer to this is going to be ball security, but the consequence is going to be an injury. And you can see on the camera before that, Rodgers was upset about that. The Packers made a mistake. They had their hands team out there. There was over four minutes left, and the Ravens had – multiple time, all three of their timeouts, if memory serves. So that wasn't like a, Hey, we're benching Malik Taylor and going with Jonesy. It was a, this is our hands team out there that didn't need to be out there. Like they were expecting an onside kick that was never coming. They were not going to get an onside kick in that situation. The Ravens have all their timeouts and more than five minutes left in the game. That was never going to happen. And Rogers was right. So whoever made that call, whether it's LaFleur or Drayton, that was that was one of the mistakes that they made and it cost them field position and then they run prevent offense with run run and uh it ends up being a sack before they punt so you could see LaFleur look frustrated obviously in a in a game situation you're not going to micromanage necessarily but I've said it a bunch of times this past week I said it on the last quick slant show he went up to Joe Barry earlier in the season and said look some changes need to be made, and this is what we need to do. Now, you only have who you have. When you're on special teams, it's one thing for to tell Joe Barry, hey, you need to get more out of guys like Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander at the time, Kenny Clark. Like, you've got ingredients to cook with. Telling Maurice Drayton, hey, you got to do more with guys that are out there playing special teams because 
they're not starters on offense and defense is a little bit of a different situation, but I keep seeing the narrative over and over again. And I'm the first person who always says, what's the trend? What's the history? Well, the trend all season long has been, how is this season going to end? I hope I'm wrong. And I saw a lot of tweets today about how it just seems like special teams is going to have something to do or say about how this season ends. I can only hope that Amari Rogers or whoever it is, whoever it is that fields a punt or a kickoff houses one somehow. And it ends up being this magical moment or Mason Crosby walks it off with a field goal in the Super Bowl. But that special teams and the Packers, once again, still have a lot of things to figure out. Now, one last thing I'll say on the hands team at the end where it was the onside try. Who makes the recovery? Your second round pick from last year, A.J. Dillon, who also had a rushing touchdown today. Are we still, are we finally over and done with this stupid argument that that second round pick was wasted on a running back in A.J. Dillon? He made a huge play on special teams. Jake, I know you were never in that camp to begin with, but we got to be done with that. This must be your first day on Twitter.com. Uh, there are people that will dig in on any and everything when it comes to their initial takes. Confirming your priors. There are still... People talking about how it was a bad pick. And A.J. Dillon has been very good. And at the end of the day, I know everybody and their mother likes to talk about how running backs don't matter and you can get them later. And I understand that to some degree. But at the end of the day, what you're going to care about on the when you talk about a draft years from now, was that a good player or not? We never do the – unless it's something like, oh, they picked Jay Sternberger and they could have had Terry McLaurin. But we're not doing that from a positional standpoint. We're doing that because Jay Sternberger didn't pan out in Green Bay. A.J. Dillon is panning out in Green Bay. Had another solid game today. He's different when they're offense, when he's in the offense. And he has that ability. Like you said, they trust him in some of the most crucial situations imaginable. And an onside kick is certainly one of those. We've seen how that can cost you a trip to the Super Bowl. Especially this year. Yes. So hopefully, yes, that that discourse is done, but it won't be. I mean, they could have picked a bad wide receiver in the second round and everyone say, well, at least they could have picked Denzel Mims if Mims wasn't off the board. And they would have said, well, they picked a receiver in the second round, even though he stunk, still a better pick than, than AJ Dillon. And that would be completely inaccurate because what it comes down to is, is it a good player or not? That is the way the draft should be viewed is, is it a good player or not? And the Packers have picked more good players than not, especially in the first two rounds since Brian Gutekunst has been at the helm. So on offense, the Packers end with 96 yards on 25 rushes. Aaron Rodgers ran four times. He picked up 11 yards of those. And Lazard with one one rush for five yards, if you want to take some of that out of the equation. But Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 58 yards, average 4.5. A.J. Dillon, one touchdown, 7-2 carries, 22 yards. The Packers rushed 25 times. Aaron Rodgers. 23 of 31, 268 yards, three touchdowns, was sacked three times, quarterback rating of 132.2. Most noteworthy, Aaron Rodgers with the touchdown pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling of the Marquez Valdez-Scantling show ties Brett Favre with the most touchdown passes as a Green Bay Packer. I don't think it was a matter of if, it was a matter of when, and the tying of it was the when was today against the Baltimore Ravens, and Rodgers has a chance to now break that mark at home on Christmas Day against the Cleveland Browns. I guess just pandering here for the obvious gushing and love for Aaron Rodgers. He did make some mistakes today. Misses MVS on a deep throw. Missed some throws. Missed Alan Lazard in the end zone on a play that Lazard could have ended up quite injured. He fell on his head and his neck and fortunately was able to come back in the game. The Packers actually avoided 
I think some major injuries today, which was very good. And finally the Packers have yeah. had some, some, some major injuries, but no surprise. Jake Aaron Rodgers is tied with Brett Favre as your touchdown passing King as a green Bay Packers passer. Yeah, what a blessed life I live. That's the only two quarterbacks I've ever seen. Brett Favre and Rodgers, 884 combined touchdowns between them. And it's going to be pretty cool. Um, you know, I would have preferred that he hit Lazard on the late one for a touchdown to break that that record there to kind of ice this thing. But it is going to be pretty cool that he's going to get a chance to break uh, Brett Favre's record at Lambeau Field uh, on Christmas Day. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the Packers are working some back channels to make sure Favre is there. With it being on Christmas, that probably sounds like a, a tough ask at this point, but it's special. And that's where, you know, all the drama and the nonsense of the offseason and you know, even people like me that were tired of of the diva stuff, so to speak, uh, with the quarterback that's that's currently under center. Those are the things that are like, OK, but it's worth it because he's really good. I mean, there are there were throws. I even had one today, the throw that he hit. Valdez scantling on up the seam, not the touchdown, but it was a, it was a deeper intermediate type throw. And I turn around and I'm just like, I don't understand how, if you're Brian Gutekunst, can you look at that play and say, nah, we'll go with Jordan love. Like, and that's nothing against Jordan love. Not at all. I know that it's very hard to have that level of discourse and nuance when it comes to this discussion. It's nothing against Jordan love. He's just not Aaron Rodgers, and he's never going to be. And you could still be a really good quarterback and not be Aaron Rodgers, but why? Like Andrew Brandt said the other day that if he was in a front office, he said any team could call me with their best player, and I'm not trading Aaron for him. And that's where I'm at. And the only way that I think the Packers should be trading Rodgers is if they've exhausted every single avenue for getting him back on an extension for the foreseeable future, and Rodgers just says, no, I'm good, I'll move on. But that's the only way. If Rodgers wants to be the quarterback in Green Bay, he should be, and I think he will be. And I'll take that, absolutely. I mean, somebody said the other day, and I've thought long thought it myself too, Aaron Rodgers is almost like Brett Favre without the mistakes. And that's a scary, scary proposition for a defense to have to handle. And obviously they struggled on the day. Rodgers, again, you know, 132.2 rating. They did get to him. They did, they did get some pressure on him, but – we talk about the offense and there's no Randall Cobb who, you know, Cobb was never a primary target in this offense, but Rodgers loves him and him going down was big because in those short yardage and third down and third and short, fourth and short, that's who he's going to look for is that safety blanket there. And we've seen the emergence in the past couple of weeks of two players. One of them I think is likely the other one, very unlikely that have come up big in big spots. The first one is MVS MVS. Devontae Adams was your receiving leader for the Packers with six catches, but MBS had five for 98 yards. MBS had more yards, 19.6 average, gets in the end zone one time on the nice stretch out. Turned in a really nice day, and it's not just the one-trick pony thing anymore. He's getting open, and he's finding his groove in this offense, and maybe Randall Cobb, who we'd love to have back and want out there, is MBS is growing up here, and He's carving out a nice little role for himself there, which is exactly what the Packers need opposite Devontae Adams. You take some attention away from Adams. They were constantly doubling him with a safety over the top today. Adams still made some plays. And I think Rodgers at one point tried to force it to him behind the line of scrimmage. And, and it's a little frustrating sometimes when Rodgers expects Adams to do so much. And he does more often than not, but not always. It was great to see MVS step up and have himself a really nice day. 
I would say, if not the unsung hero, I think he might have an argument as as maybe the best player for the Packers today if, if you take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation. But Jake, Mercedes Lewis. I mean, this you want to talk about a guy that understands that he's not going to be playing football forever. Three catches for 40 yards. He's got 23. I mean, it's not just catch the ball and fall down anymore. He's making plays in this offense. It was a shame they couldn't do more with that catch that he made, getting him down inside the 10-yard line. But this dude, is a he's a threat to catch the football now. And this the offense just continues to find more and more ways to beat a defense on a day when Patrick Queen, former Packers crush, Patrick Queen just lights the hell out, 13 tackles, uh, most of them solo. I mean, none of them for a loss, and he didn't get any sacks, but he had 13 tackles. They're still finding a way to beat this really good Ravens defense on the road. Mercedes Lewis catching the ball gives me new life. It's like looking at my newborn child or something for the, it's, it's just incredible. I love it. I love Mercedes Lewis. Uh, everything he does is fun. The Packers adding the dog barking anytime he catches the ball to their sound system at Lambeau is absolutely incredible. I love it. I just, what you're talking about is different guys getting in on the act, right? And you saw it. There was a concerted effort, especially later in the game to take Devontae away. And you can't take Adams away for a whole game. You, you can't do it. It's not going to happen. But teams are going to try some of those same methods, and other guys are going to have to make plays. And you look at, like, last year, Alan Lazard was the dude in the NFC Divisional game. In the NFC Championship game, it was MBS. Had Green Bay been able to win that game, I wonder how differently we're talking about Marquez Valdez-Scantling because he would have been the hero of that game, over 100 yards receiving, et cetera, et cetera. The Packers are going to need that. And this offense, don't get me wrong, still going to run through Devontae and then Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but they're going to need a mix of some of those guys. You started talking about it. You know, you've got MBS with five catches, Lazard with two, Mercedes Lewis with three, Tyler Davis gets in on the action today, Aaron Jones. Like, they're just going to need a sprinkle from everyone else because this is where the receiver discourse comes in and annoys me a little bit, but they don't have that consistent second player on the offense that you're like, okay, we can draw up plays for this guy consistently. And he's going to make plays if Devontae can't, they just don't have that guy. And that's okay. They've scored 30 plus points in every game since the Seattle game. So after the Rogers COVID game, they've scored 30 points every game since, and they're one of the best offenses in football. No question about it. How much that has to do with Aaron Rodgers? You can certainly debate about that, but I'm not going to not on this channel, at least. And it's good to see those guys getting in on the act because they're going to need them. Eight different pass catchers. And yeah, Tyler Davis, welcome to the roster. Uh, don't drop the football. And he's wearing a familiar number 84. A lot of pressure. And he shows up big with one catch for 22 yards. Everybody getting involved. I guess he developed some quick chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. The whole, the whole idea that Rodgers won't throw you the ball unless he's comfortable. He was comfortable enough to throw it to him one time for 22 yards early in the game on a key down and distance that the Packers needed a big catch there. Jawan Winfrey, one target, unfortunately, no catches. Everybody, a lot of, lot of guys getting in on the action here. Offensively, when the Packers were good, they were good. When they weren't good, it was like the times of old. I mean, it took us back. He's talked about the timeouts, Jake, and obviously you don't want to lose two timeouts, but wait, before, before it was under 10 minutes left in the game, the Packers had one timeout left, and you just had a feeling in a game like this where the Ravens are going to be turned up all day that the game's probably going to come down to the wire, and the Packers – were deficit on, on the timeouts. He only had one and it, it fortunately didn't end up biting him too much. So if we turn our attention to the other side of the ball, it was kind of a feast or famine day. And 
When it looked they like feast? Baltimore's offense was very simple. And when we look back at this here, it was either quick out to Marquise Hollywood Brown up the middle to Mark Andrews or Tyler Huntley running for his life. And it worked. It, it took the, it took the Packers all the way down to the wire to win this game. A tight end Mark Andrews leads all pass catchers in this game, 10 catches for 136 yards, two touchdowns, one long 43 yarder. And he was of course the target of the two point try at the end of the game. Darnell Savage, you mentioned it already. Jake had a really tough day covering Mark Andrews. I'm not sure that Savage on a tight end has ever really been the matchup. I don't know that that's ever been something that he's thrived at. So I'm not going to make excuses and say that it's not surprising that he played as poorly as he did today. Cause Savage really did struggle. And on that, one of the tight, on one of the touchdowns there, I felt like there were guys there. I just feel like at the point of attack or at the ball with some of these DB Stokes, as he gets used to the NFL game, Savage Amos has been pretty good too. This is where they struggle to break up some of those balls. It's just, it was a throwback. It was a frustrating, frustrating thing to see the one guy tearing up this, this defense that you obviously felt like they needed to stop, but they just couldn't. So Jake, it's either Mark Andrews is some sort of a hidden all pro gem at tight end, or the Packers just didn't realize that he was active today. Well, Mark Andrews is the best tight end in the AFC, not named Travis Kelsey. And you knew that going into the game. That's the part I think that is the most frustrating. You know, Bill Belichick is the greatest defensive coach ever. And something he's very good at. As you guys remember, about seven years ago now, New England comes to Lambeau. And he basically says, Jordy and Cobb are not going to beat us. So we're going to make Devontae Adams beat us. Now, to Devontae's credit, he did. Mark Andrews was all they had with a backup quarterback. And I don't understand what the plan was. And they did try a few different things. You know, Darnell Savage was his primary defender in man coverage most of the day. When that didn't work, they went to Kevin King. That went predictably. It's almost a thank you to the Ravens for on their two-point play, lining up Andrews the way that they did. Because if they had played him in the middle of the field, now you're talking, again, Savage, Amos, Barnes, Camp, like guys that just aren't going to be as able to cover to cover Andrews the way Stokes did. And Stokes did a pretty good job on that play. Um, and Savage obviously made a play on the ball. But I don't know what their thought process was. Um, you know, I had a tweet during the game, and it said, the Packers defense, it's a bad performance regardless. Of what. And this is at 28-17. Somebody responds with, well, they've only given up 17 points. Give me a break. It's like, yeah, but the Ravens have punted once to that point. They got walked down the field on the first possession of the game. The Ravens went for it on fourth down and failed. It just wasn't good. They didn't, like you said, feast or famine. I don't know when they feasted. They didn't get any turnovers. They didn't, they had no sacks. They weren't pressuring the quarterback. And they were losing contain on, on run plays that allowed Huntley to escape the pocket and make some plays that way. It was just, it's a Raven offense that was a mash unit. And like you said, Uncommon opponent, exotic, blah, blah. Matt LaFleur talked about it all week with Harbaugh and all that stuff too. But it wasn't like the Packers have guys that we think are really good on that side of the ball, and none of them made any plays. And other than Gary's pressure on fourth down, I can't think of a play they made in the front. Now, were they missing Kenny Clark? Yes. But you can't use that excuse when the Ravens are missing Lamar freaking Jackson. I almost said the F word on your show. I'm sorry. 
But Lamar Jackson's former MVP. Like, Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the NFL two years ago. Tyler Huntley is a bum. And dudes are on the internet talking about how, oh, he's earning himself a starting job today. Like, no. I mean, maybe they'll look at that performance and open it, but no. Yeah, if they're playing the Packers 16, 17 times, sure. But otherwise, no. He stinks. He's a backup quarterback. And people will be like, well, he's a good backup quarterback. Well, good backup is just a code word for shitty starter. Mm -hmm. That's all that means. Gardner Minshew is a good backup. But we've seen what happens when he starts. He's not good. It's not a good thing if Gardner Minshew is your starting quarterback. It's not supposed to be a good thing if Tyler Huntley is your starting quarterback. And the Packers didn't bother to, to, to get the memo, I guess. I Joe Barry, I've given him the benefit of the doubt. I've even praised him on some fronts. I've praised the guys on the defense. Adrian Amos said something today like, if you don't come to play, then they'll get you. Well, then if that's the case, they better not have come to play. Because if they did come to play and that's what it looks like, that is not a good look. And you're going to face guys – much better than the last two weeks. Two weeks. They've been dotted up by Justin Fields, who is a Hall of Famer, and Tyler Huntley. Two really bad offenses, when you look at it that way, for 30-plus points. They've given up 28 or more every week since Minnesota, since the shutout, every single week. You're going to face... Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Tom freaking Brady in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, name your quarterback in the Super Bowl if they are fortunate enough to get there. They have to be better than what they have been. Now, the season isn't over. They've got some time to get their footing underneath them and maybe some reinforcements on the way. But next week, they're going to face Baker Mayfield, most likely. And he's not having a very good season either. They cannot allow themselves to get dog walked up and down the field the way that they have each of the last four games. Can't happen. Can't do it. To use Mike Singletary's most famous phrase, can't do it. Can't win with him. Can't can't do it. And that would not be the first F-bomb had you dropped one. So if it's appropriate and it needs to be done, then we do what we need to do here. So, yeah, on defense, it was a tough day. I think the Packers did get a couple of stops on downs. It was early in the game, so they just didn't turn in their, their best performance. but. It is, to your point, pretty much what I was going to say, too, which is, look, we can make all the excuses we want about guys who aren't playing in the AFC-NFC matchup, but the, the point is is that you want to play your best football and you want to be peaking at this time of the year and you don't want to be struggling. And, I, you know, there's a lot to be to be said yet. I think the Packers coming home, get a shot in the arm. It's, it's the Cleveland Browns. It's Christmas Day. They're going to be juiced up for that one. MVS mentioned it a couple times on his show this past week, so they're already thinking about how special it is and they want to make sure things turn out well. You got Rodgers getting primed to set the pass, the touchdown passing record as a Packer. But then after that, you've got two divisional games, one of which is against the Vikings team that is still in this thing. They're still not mathematically eliminated. And I don't know how much there is to put into the performance that the Detroit Lions put up today against the Arizona Cardinals. Former Detroit Lion, Matt Prater, makes his revenge return to Detroit. And goes home a loser in major grand fashion. The Cardinals <laughs> lost to the Lions, but in week 17. How the hell did you get a freaking kicker in here? Week 17, unless the marching orders are, we will pick first in this draft. The Lions are going to come to play in that game as well. And it's in Detroit. Weird things happen in Detroit. No matter how good the Packers team is to go in there, goes in there. Just see 2019. 
week 17, if you're not sure what it is that I'm talking about, when the Packers needed to survive that game in order to get a bye week. So it's you gotta pick, you gotta peak. Your best players have to play their best game. And I all I can say, I guess, to put a bow on all of it, Jake, is I hope that they get some of their their players back. Billy Turner hopefully is not long term, but we don't know how long it's going to be before he comes back. David Bakhtiari practiced in limited fashion this week. He wasn't able to go this week. Jair Alexander is still practicing, but has not been active. Equinemius St. Brown is primed, hopefully, to come back and help this team out. Take the rest of this week. Get ready to feast on Christmas Day and be ready to take care of business those last two games because the Packers now, really, it it was a four-horse race just two weeks ago or, or even one week ago. It was a four horse race. And the Cowboys do keep winning, but right now it's the Packers and Bucks. The Cardinals have dropped themselves out. It's, a, it's the Packers and Bucks, and they've got everything in front of them. Green Bay does if they can just win out. So any final thoughts before we sign off here and prep to gear up for another Victory Monday and for this upcoming game on Christmas against the Browns at Lambeau Field? Yeah, Cleveland, Minnesota at home, and then Detroit on the road. You win those three, you've got to buy, and the road to the Super Bowl goes through Lambeau. And I know people are going to say, well, that didn't matter last year. Well, you still want those games at Lambeau Field as many as you can. This Packers defense is better at Lambeau. The statistics bear that out. And Aaron Rodgers has been a magician at Lambeau Field all, all his entire career, all of his life, as he might say to some fans in Chicago. But it, to me, it's simple. Get healthy and, and win the games you got left on your schedule. If you do that, you put yourself in a really good chance to get to a Super Bowl in a season that, Jason, would it have surprised you if I told you the Packers were like eight and six and it looked like the locker room was distracted with all this other crap going on and everything. If I had told you that in June, would that have surprised you? Probably not. Right. Like it's a, it was certainly in the realm of possibilities Mm -hmm. that the Packers were to struggle this season. They haven't. And that is a huge credit to Matt LaFleur, to Aaron Rodgers, to the leadership committee in this locker room. Now what you're hoping is, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, maybe we'll finally get a straight answer from Matt LaFleur on Zadarius Smith, but they need those guys back and they need them back. If they're going to beat Tampa Bay, Dallas, there's some really good teams in the NFC. And now you're even looking at Los Angeles beat Arizona last week. I personally don't believe that much in them, but people will. And, and San Francisco who is dominating teams like it's 2019 again, and they've got some really good players They've got a really good roster. That's the team I picked to win the NFC West. I didn't do that blindly. I did that because I knew of their running game. I knew they had Kittle and Samuel. I knew they had, I, they have a good offensive line. They have a really good front seven and a defense that's starting to play better. Now they've beaten some bad teams. I understand that, but you mean to tell me if you're wild card weekend, if you're the Dallas Cowboys and playing wild card weekend against the San Francisco 49ers, are you thrilled that that's your matchup of the wild card teams? That's the one I would want to play the least. And as of right now, your wildcard teams are Los Angeles, the Rams, San Francisco, and I believe the Washington football team is set as your seven seed. San Francisco is the team I want no part of if I'm the team that's not going to be getting the bye. And that's another reason I think the Packers need that bye because now you get to avoid some of these teams that are some decent matchups for you. Whereas last year, your wildcard teams were, you know, LA, the Washington football team, and the Chicago Bears. Bad, bad, and bad. Not good. The Rams, I guess, were pretty good. But not like this year's. Not like this year's group. 
where the only team that you're really like, ah, oh, they're probably not very good is Washington, but Washington beat Tampa Bay. Any given Sunday, one less game. If you can play fewer games, I like any chance that you have of trying to get to a Super Bowl. If you only got to win two games instead of three, it's going to be tough to do that. In any event, the Packers get a victory 31-30 over the Baltimore Ravens. I think the tough, what I thought was the toughest game left on their schedule. We'll see how these next couple of games go before I hopefully don't end up having to eat those words. The Minnesota Vikings, like you said, also vying for that last playoff spot there too, and that's another team that the Packers may want to avoid. So get over to Game On Wisconsin. Check out all the great written content. I've got a game recap up there now after the game on Sunday. All of our live shows, the Freezer Podcast, Mark Valdez, Scantling Show, Lombardi's Bar, Open Book. Amidst all of the podcasts as well going on this week, Quick Slants will be back with another show on Thursday talking about a return to Lambeau Field for a Christmas Day game against the Cleveland Browns. You can find Jacob on Twitter. He's at Jacob Westendorf. Follow Game On Wisconsin at Game On WI. I am on Twitter at Jason Perone. And Jacob, we've got a Twitter space that's taking play, uh, that's starting here in about a few minutes, although we're recording this on Sunday night. So uh, hopefully that went well. For everybody that tuned in there. I know I will be there. And I'm sure there'll be more to come as the Packers continue to grind towards the playoffs. Anything else to look forward to this week or upcoming as the holidays approach? Ah, big day for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, so that should be fun. Otherwise, uh, I just look forward to everybody and their families enjoying a, a happy holiday season and hopefully a, a big day for all of us that are fans here that are listening to the show on, on Saturday afternoon against Cleveland Browns. So hope Santa's good to you. If you are one that celebrates Christmas and then that Packer Santa is very good to you as Green Bay tries to uh, get themselves in position to get that number one seed. I can't even I continue to stress the importance of that number one seed. Thanks for coming on, Jake. Everybody enjoy Victory Monday. Have a great week. As always, stay safe, stay warm and go Pack Go. Rodgers fakes the handoff. Quick throw right side. There's Devontae. From right to left. Cutting left to the 50. To the 45-40. Track down from behind. 